You're listening to the Oil and Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Jake Corley. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. What's going on, Mark? Uh, Jake, we're in OTC 2017. It's amazing, man. Yeah, we're sitting here at the Red Wing booth. It's uh, right about 12 o'clock. The auditorium's filling up. Looks like it's going to be a really, really good turnout. Um, Right about lunchtime, I'm starting to get hungry. What about you? Uh, Me too. Yeah, so if you're listening to us for the first time, this is Oil & Gas This Week. This is the number one podcast in the oil and gas industry. And this is a topical news show, and so we're going to jump into our news articles. So what we got coming up first, Jake? So today is Trump's 102nd day actually in office. And so the first article is talking about, it's kind of just like the first 100 days actually in review um, and seeing what he has accomplished or what he has not accomplished in those first 100 days. Um, so far... He has signed more executive orders than anyone else in the history of the United States. Really? So he's signed more executive orders than any other president out there? Yes. And, of course, he's the most energy-focused president we've had since the Reagan administration. You know, I actually say he's the most energy-focused president of, of, of all time. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's, um, he has a, a very laser focus on the prosperity and the jobs that the, our oil and gas industry creates for this country and for the world. So it's... Um, you know, he's doing some really cool stuff. He has the, um, you know, he's given approval of Keystone XL and Dakota Access. Um, he has uh, basically taken the teeth out of the EPA. He's uh, repelling a lot of the um, o- Obama administration's rules and regulations that put uh, uh, ha- handcuffs on this industry. So from an energy point of view, from an oil and gas point of view, I think he's doing an excellent job. Yeah, he campaigned on a lot of things uh, throughout his entire campaign. It was a very, very energy-focused uh, and I think he not only talked the talk, but he also walked the walk. Yeah, and if you look at his leadership team, I mean, he's literally running the A-team of, 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 I think, the history of this country. He has people from the industry in key positions that understand the truth about energy and the oil and gas and the environment. Yeah, so as a quick review, he so far has jump-started major pipeline projects that were uh, kind of stopped by the Obama administration. So the Keystone XL, the DAPL. Uh, he's jump-started leasing programs and streamlined permitting processes on federal and Indian lands and waters. Uh, he's rolled back some major Obama-era regulatory actions. Uh, he's simulated the domestic industry through tax reform and increased imports from the Western Hemisphere nations, Canada, Mexico, Brazil, and Venezuela. Yeah, and so one of the things that he's doing is he's taken a systematic approach to the industry, and he looks at where... Um, Past uh, administrations have passed either rules or regulations or legislation that actually hurt our industry. And he, he has asked every head of every department inside the White House to report back the, the list of everything that they have rolled out in the last 10 years that hurts the oil and gas industry. I'm sorry, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, sorry to interrupt. This is uh, Patrick with the Oil and Gas HSE podcast. Uh, kind of um, just talking to people in the audience. Um, we got uh, Chaz here. Chaz, what are you, what are you doing in OTC? Uh, I'm here to really see if anybody in the oil or gas industry would like a veteran straight to uh, move their freight. See, so y'all are a freight moving company, um, all veteran company. Uh, 85%, about 85% of our company is veteran owned or, or veterans. Um, our owners, Navy Seal, uh, surface able. And uh, we just do our best to make our customers happy. We've got a couple of veterans up there at the podcast, but uh, yeah, we'll, uh, keep, uh, competing uh, branches. 
No, no, not compete at all. The Marines have been making it safer for the Army for over 270 years. <laughs> We've been a company for two years, so. <laughs> But we grew about 3,000% from year one to year two, and we're on pace for about 700% growth this year. So we are growing. Yeah. Not trying so, to compete. Yet. No, 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 no. So, uh, so Chad, it's, I'm going to give you my business card a little bit later. I'd like to maybe have an offline uh, conversation with you. Um, you know, our company and our, and our podcast are very veterans-focused. We're actually in the work is the Oil & Gas Veterans Podcast, and I'm actually talking to both oh, wow. Smith & Wesson and Glock. Yeah, I mean, uh -huh. yeah, no. And so it's... it's um. It's, that podcast is coming. I don't know what it's going to look like. It will definitely be our first explicit podcast. I know that for sure already. Okay. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I if we can help you, I'd love to play a part. Um, you know, like I said, we're both Jake and I. Jake, both Jake and I are Marines. Um, oh, yeah. Thank y'all for your service. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for your service. Um, but yeah, anything we can do to help, we gladly do so. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah. So where were the news articles, Jake? All right. Up next. Oregon lawmakers have considered banning fracking by oil and gas drillers. So the Oregon ha House passed a bill Tuesday that would place a 10-year ban on fracking by those drilling for oil and natural gas in the state. Uh, at this point, the bill is just symbolic as no one is currently fracking in Oregon. Um, but there has been fracking in the past, uh, and there's a huge, I think it's like a methane deposit on the western side of Oregon uh, where people could look to exploit those resources. Yeah, it's, I think it's crazy. Our neighbors, you know, right here to the east, uh, uh, St. Tammany Parish in Louisiana, they did the same thing. They actually had let uh, the, uh, enough lobbyists come in that they put a special bill on the ballot and they banned frac fracking in St. Tammany Parish. And the thing that's so crazy about that is nobody's fracking there and they don't have the right geology. So it'd sort of be like, Jake, you and I here in Houston uh, making a law that all snowblowers have to be registered. We don't have snowblowers because we don't have snow. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's always interesting for me to watch these legislations and these populations that don't understand what fracking even is, much less the benefit it brings to both the environment and to the people, ban something that would benefit them. I mean, um, it's, it's highly regulated. It's not a new technology. It's tested. It's environmentally safe. Yeah, and it, it drives prosperity, and it's actually better for the environment. The conventional way with strictly vertical shafts, if you would have, you would have had 100 acres, you would have had you know, 75 wells with... A, uh, horizontal fracking, you drill one well and you go out laterally. So when they go into production, the area they take up is literally less than an acre. Uh, so it's, it's much better for the environment. And then, of course, what they're producing predominantly is natural gas. And by switching from coal to natural gas, you immediately lower air emissions by 60%. So it always fascinates me. You have uh, uh, counties and states that want to ban fracking, but the first thing they do is, when they need to is they start buying natural gas to generate electricity. It's like, well, you, you want to ban the same thing that you're buying? What's, it's kind of a tie in this. One of the things that's going on in New York is, is New York has banned fracking as a state, but they buy tons of natural gas to generate electricity. Well, now they've figured out what's going on. So there's some proposals out there to actually ban pipelines to bring in natural gas. So New York may end up having to go back to coal. And it's just, it's just ludicrous, but the, the general population thinks that it's a good thing because the word fracking, and unfortunately that was coined by a bunch of geologists who had no um, marketing background because that's a horrible word. <laughs> you know, if they would have called it butterflies, probably wouldn't have any of these problems. All right, so this next article, obviously the last couple of years have been extremely hard on the industry, particularly upstream, um, but I don't think anyone has felt it as much as the service companies. Um, so this next article is talking about half service companies hit the ground running a little too fast. So more than 200 rigs have come online since the beginning of the year. Uh, we're currently sitting around 870 rigs, up from 420 
last year. Um, so the question becomes, are the service companies able to charge more? Are they, are they increasing their rates? Are they able to actually make a little bit of money to reinvest in themselves and actually just start hiring? So we're hearing some reports that they are, um, and it seems to be picking up. Yeah, it's uh, what a lot of people don't realize, especially uh, on the upstream side of the house, is the cost savings that everybody's been touting for the last almost three years. A lot of that is just the service companies reducing their rates um, to the point where they would hopefully just break even just to keep their people working. And that's not a long-term effective strategy. And Jake, I mean, you, we've talked about this before with our predictions for 2017, but I think the service companies are get the upper hand the very end of 2017. I think there's not going to be enough pumps and parts and people, and you start seeing rates go up. So the operator who've had all these big cost savings because they squeeze the service companies, it's not going to be there anymore. Um, and, and so it's going to be real interesting, those dynamics. Now, the service companies at the same time have figured out ways to improve efficiencies. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's that perfect mix of uh, the, the check holder, the operator, um, coming in and saying we need these rates and the service company's doing it because they have to but in the very near future they won't have to but they're coming up with ways to actually still be able to operate with a lower price so it's it's good it's good for everybody it's driving efficiencies it's driving innovation the adaptation of new processes new materials um, and like you said they're starting to hire again which is a good sign yeah so looking at some first quarter results uh, Schlumberger this quarter, profit of $279 million, up from losing $204 million last quarter, and has resumed hiring, looking to bring on 2,500 jobs. Uh, Baker Hughes, amidst the merger with GE, has reduced its losses to $129 million, down from $1 billion. That's a big jump, to go from losing a $1 billion to just $129 million. And then Pioneer Energy Services only lost $27 million. Patterson UTI only lost $63 million. And Halliburton's pretty much close to break-even. Yeah, go Big Red. They're here, they're here somewhere. Yeah. So once again, if you're just joining us, this is Oil & Gas This Week. We are the number one podcast in the oil and gas industry. We're in 178 different countries, and we're right at 350,000 downloads. This is new media. This is where the young people in the industry get their information, their news. And we're very lucky to be sponsored by Red Wing, which is the reason we're in Red Wing's booth. We didn't just, didn't just show up here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where are we going next with this, Jake? All right, so Trump has ordered a multi-year review for offshore oil and gas drilling. So President Trump signed an executive order on Friday, which issues a multi-year review of oil and gas drilling in federally prohibited waters, as well as an evaluation of the status of marine sanctuaries. So this order marks President Trump's 29th executive order in his first 100 days. Yeah, that's, uh, that's more executive orders than anybody, right? It sure is. Yeah, he's uh, swinging a big bat, isn't he? <laughs> I love it. going anywhere else with this? <laughs> so the, uh, the Interior Department oversees 1.7 billion acres on the Outer Continental Shelf, um, which is the submerged lands off the coast of the U.S. Uh, the department is responsible for coming up with five-year plans to indicate which offshore locations can be leased for oil and gas development. Um, so the latest plan for the years 2017 through 2022 was finalized under the Obama administration, um, which was a major blow to the oil industry. Um, the plan puts certain areas in the Atlantic and Arctic Oceans off-limits for drilling instead of allowing leasing um, in Gulf of Mexico and Alaska's Cook Inlet. Yeah, and so the cool thing is that uh, Trump's order immediately nullified um, all of that sort of stuff. And, and it allows us to go back and look and see if it makes both environmental and economic sense to do exploration production in the areas. Now, the thing that nobody ever talks about, Jake, is it has to be a financial reason. It has to make sense. You have to be able to make a profit. So everybody's worried about Arctic drilling. 
Arctic drilling is extremely expensive. Uh, Shell did some exploration and figured out that it just didn't make sense. And the question I always ask people, especially the people that don't are, that are not for Arctic drilling, is have you ever heard of a Russian or a Chinese oil spill? I mean, nobody's ever heard of that, right? No. That means one of two things. That means they're either better than the American and European operators, or they don't report it. I'm telling you, they don't report it. If you have anybody drilling in the Arctic, you want one of the big American or European operators who take their environmental responsibility very seriously and will report it and will clean it up and have a risk mitigation plan in place. Um, at some point in the future, not now because it's expensive, but at some point in the future, we will tap into the Arctic. And for, for the planet and for the uh, safety of our people, you're much better off having a European or American super major to do that. So the Interior Secretary, Ryan Zing, during a briefing on Thursday, claimed that the lack of drilling in these federal waters uh, resulted in government losses of $15.5 billion in revenue through royalties, rents, and leasing. Yeah, that's a, another thing a lot of people don't understand here in the U.S. The biggest profit taker in the oil and gas industry in the United States is the U.S. government. It's not the oil and gas companies, U.S. government. And it's, um, it's an amazing amount of revenue that comes from oil and gas exploration and production, the selling of leases. And if you don't understand how that works, basically the government puts out for auction a, a, a piece of property uh, in, the, so let's say, the Gulf of Mexico, and the companies bid on it. And whoever, gets the, whoever bids the highest um, actually gets that, and they get 10 years to try to uh, make their money back and, and hopefully make some profit. And sometimes some of these, like, ultra-deep water leases, Jake, they may go for, for more than a billion dollars. That's with a B. Um, you know, people talk all the time about big oil, and what they don't understand is that you have to be big to even play in this industry. Imagine writing a check for a billion dollars, and you have no money coming in yet, and you still got to go drill and go in production, and then multiply that times, you know, 500, all the leases you have in the world. That is a lot of CapEx. That's a lot of cash flow. Um, the only company I know that has enough cash to actually get into this industry is Apple, and they're not crazy enough to even try to get in this. But like you said, is it even economical to drill in the Arctic? No, not now. Not with all this cheap frack oil and, and cost being reduced, especially on the shelf. Um, I was actually talking to somebody just the other day about some new technologies that's going to allow uh, deep water and ultra deep water to become more cost effective. So, um, yeah, the expensive oil, the Arctic drilling, the oil sands, that sort of stuff is, is dead for a very long time until the technology comes to lower the actual cost. So this next article is talking about, is sand the next battleground for energy development? So what do we mean by that? Yeah, so if you don't understand uh, the process of fracking, you basically drill, and fracking's not new. Fracking was invented by Shell in the 60s, and they use it still to this day in water wells. And you basically pressurize the well, which causes cracks or fractures in the rock, and you, you do that by pressurizing water and sand and some other stuff, and the sand actually gets in the cracks of the rocks, and then they pump the water out, and the sand keeps the cracks open so the oil and gas flows. And so that's why it's a big need for sand, but the sand has to fit very specific specifications. And so what this whole article is about is there's, uh, it, um, there's places in the country would have this high-quality frac sand, and then there's local groups trying to pass legislation to quit the mining and exporting of it, which would then just drive the cost up of fracking. Yeah, sand consumption is growing, and we're seeing that almost weekly. Uh, we've got a few numbers here. Uh, Chesapeake had a, uh, a well that they called Propageddon after it dumped 50 million pounds of sand down a single well during the completion. That's crazy. How many tons is that? Uh, a lot of tons. A lot of tons. All the tons. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's over 25,000 tons of sand for Jeez. one well. Yeah, so there's, there's a huge defect. The funny thing about that, Jake, is before we had this downturn, I knew several companies 
that made a lot of money by figuring out the logistics of moving sand. So they bought old rail between the sand mines and the, the major basins out here. And it's, all they did is provide a lot of logistics. And um, they made a fortune just moving that sand. And when, when this downturn came, there's less of demand for it. Um, that a lot of them went out of business. So that tells me there's probably a market potential, probably somebody smarter than you have already figured this out, is as this comes back to go grab those logistical points again and put it back into action. And that about wraps up the stories for today. So we'll save some more for tomorrow. Yeah, and so if you're listening to us for the first time, this is Oil & Gas This Week. We're the number one podcast in the oil and gas industry globally. Um, we have an amazing relationship with Red Wing Boots, which, which is the whole reason we're sitting in their, their booth. Um, we have uh, listeners in over 177 different countries, uh, about 350,000 of y'all. And it's just an honor to be here uh, at OT 2017. So we've got a winner. We have a winner already? Yes, Chris do. is doing her job. <laughs> <laughs> so Will Saint is a production engineer at Denbury Resources. You are this week's winner. Okay. So how does somebody win their own? Yeah, so congratulations. So if you'd like to win your own awesome Red Wing offshore bag, and I have one, it's just not here. Um, and you have one too, Jake. I got like three. You got three? <laughs> or two. No, I got two, ripped yeah. off. Um, but it's really easy. You go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Enter your information. We draw one lucky winner a week. See official site for rules and details. The weekly rig count for the week is up 13 for a total of 870 rigs I'm, in North America. I'm telling you, Jake, 1,300 watch. It's going to happen. Yeah, and so um, you often hear us talking about events. We're at probably one of the biggest for the upstream part of the industry in the world, uh, uh, Offshore Technology Conference 2017. A lot of people don't realize, Jake, that this is a large oil and gas conference, but it's the third largest trade show of any kind in the world. Really? Yeah, that's how big this thing is. And it's, um, it's amazing to see the people and the companies here. That, that um, atmosphere is upbeat and live. Um, and we do a lot of these events, and there's so many of Jake going on that uh, we struggle to find where all the oil and gas events are in one place. So we actually set up a newsletter. And if you've listened to the show before, you know I actually gave away some free OTC passes in the newsletter. And we give away a lot of stuff like that. So we take all the oil and gas events, we put them in one place, we stick in your inbox once a, a month, no spam. If you want to sign up for it, it's really easy to do. Jacob put a link in the show notes. Um, we had some uh, great events uh, the last couple of weeks. we got some stuff coming up in the future. Jake, I think you and I are going to be at Geo Convention? Geo Convention in two weeks. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this, and you're especially if you're a service company or a company looking to sell to the upstream part of the industry, you need to go check out uh, Geo Convention. It's uh, the third week of May up in Calgary, Canada. Uh, May fifteenth through nineteenth. Fifteenth through nineteenth, and uh, Jake and I be up there. We're actually doing uh, we're doing the keynote at lunch. It was kind of scary that somebody wants us to do a keynote at lunch, um, but it's a great shit. And there's still time to get uh, lunch sponsorship to sign up for the lunch. Or even if you want a booth, uh, all you have to do is reach out to Dustin. We'll put his, uh, Jake will put his email in the show notes. Uh, let him know we sent you his way. He's given everybody that's a listener to Oil & Gas this week a discount. Um, and then you can come here. Jake and I deliver a fascinating conversation around the future of the oil & Gas industry. And so if you like the show, please leave us a review. It really helps us keep doing what we're doing. We've gotten some good reviews. I guess... Yes, we are good. Mike, what do you do, Mike? I'm a, uh, Mike, here. Um, I'm an outside salesman for Cowboy Industrial. We're a pipe valve and fitting company. A pipe valve and fitting. Where are y'all located? Uh, Beaumont, Texas. Beaumont, Texas. A little bit of drive for you today. 
A little bit. Little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. Good to see you here. Is this your first OTC? Yes, sir. I, I, I'm cheating because it says first OT, first yeah. EOT. First. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think of the show so far? I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, a lot more stuff to see than I thought. Uh, it, it's, when you first walk here the first time, it is like, oh, my God, this is huge. Yes, and it, you will literally wear the skin off your feet walking this entire thing. I'm not even sure if I can see everything in the four days that they offer. <laughs> yeah. Mark says that. He's sitting down doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, Cowboy Industrial in Beaumont, Texas, y'all do valves and valve fittings? Pipe valves and fittings, uh, specialty valves. Y'all go up to, y'all do some big valves, 60 inches? We, we do everything from uh, quarter inch all the way up to 64 inch. Yeah, that's cool. And so, if uh, if people had an interest in your work and your valves, uh, where should they go? You got a website? Uh, yeah, they can go to uh, cowboyindustrial.com. Yep. And uh, it's got everybody's information from the owner to to the lowest man on the podium. Totem pole. Totem pole, which is me. <laughs> yeah. So if, uh, if you have interest in valves, you need some help, Mike's a good guy. Stop by. Go check out their website. Jacob put a link in the show note. And, Mike, you can tell your head of sales or head of marketing that just by you being down here, you got to be on the show, which puts you in front of over 350,000 people that work in the oil and gas industry. They couldn't buy awesome. that type of exposure. Appreciate it. Yeah. Tell them they owe you lunch or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Thank y'all. Yeah. Good seeing you. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, we talked about reviews and, um, one of the things that's life about this show and all podcasts is reviews. So if you listen to the show and you like it, do us a favor, uh, go to iTunes, leave us a review. And if you don't like the show, if you'd like to see some changes, we want to know that too. So we love our audience. We love our existing listeners who've helped us build this show over years. And we love our new listeners, but we want to know what's going on in your world. What's going on. So reach out to Jake and I, Jake has our contact information in the show notes. Um, you know, we couldn't do the show without you. We would love to have some more participation by people out in the audience at OTC. <laughs> Free microphone? Come on, there's a bunch of salespeople in this room. I know there's a bunch of salespeople in this room. Nobody wants to get on the mic? Yep. Where's Jim? Jim will get on the mic. You want to get Jim on the mic? Where's Jim? Where's Bailey? But Patrick, you and I will be back on the mic in a little while. What's that? You and me will be on the mic in just a few minutes. Yep. Stay yeah. tuned. Yeah. So, Jake, I guess it's time for us to kind of wind this one down. It's... um. We're go, uh, we have another show, Oil and Gas HSE, that we're going to record. Uh, we're going to go enjoy the uh, OTC, and we're going to go help Paige launch her show. Um, so beginning of OTC, a great time, great place to be. I'm looking forward to it. It's yeah. a good start. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once again, hats off to Red Room for sponsoring our podcast. Without y'all, we would just be Jake and I sitting here talking to ourselves. Isn't this an amazing booth, too? Actually, the Red Wing booth is really cool. They've uh, really redid nice it booth. for this year. It's bigger, got more space to it. Uh, Built-in podcasting, evidently. And they got something smoking over there that is supposed to be smoking. You ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a product of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasthisweek.com.